This week, we begin in Grand Prairie, where a violent outburst ends an unimaginable tragedy. Then, we move to May, Texas, where a dangerous felon brutalizes his young stepdaughter. Welcome to episode 52 of Texas 1031. Yes. Did you know that Gigi Hadid had a baby? Yes, with Zayn Malik. Malik Sorry, Malik. I just tuned into pop culture just the other day. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. There's, that's my thing. <laughs> I'm Instagram shows me all these random things, and I'm like, who? What? And then I go on a deep rabbit yeah. hole, and all of a sudden I'm in a Wikipedia page. And then for, you're like, I'm old. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> okay. who's this? Who's this? Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031 and this is a Texas true crime podcast. Welcome to episode 52. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) I have one announcement and you have one recommendation, right? Yeah. Okay, do your recommendation. So my recommendation, I found them on TikTok. Thank you to the For You page gods. It's (laughs) Honey Do Me podcast and it's all one word and do is D-E-W. So Mm -hmm. like Honey Do, the oh. The fruit? Oh, the fruit. Yeah, yeah, I just put that together. Um, but they're a sex positive, <laughs> okay. feminist, like basically just like different. They talk about, um, God, so many different sex positivity yeah. topics and they bring in experts. It's a really cool podcast. I like it a lot. And one of the girls' names is Cass. So, so you have to listen give to it. Give it a listen. They're really cool. <laughs> it's a great podcast and it's not... Not the 90-day podcast I kept Oh, yeah. like, Hannah, I have she's a new one. She's moved on. on. <laughs> no, I have not moved oh, on. Oh, you yeah, know, she's got new, I new things. I brought it. I brought it. What's your announcement? So it's kind of not that exciting, but um, so I moved, we, I moved the podcast to a different hosting platform. Ooh, neat. So I was heard, um, this is not an ad, not getting paid for this, uh, never will, but uh, Anchor, do you ever like hear like ads for Anchor? I don't think so. It's like a company through Spotify and they like host. It's like a podcast hosting website cool. and it's free and they distribute your podcast to everywhere. So we're on Spotify now. What the fuck? We're on Google Play now. We're still on Apple Podcasts. We're on Radio Public. We're on Breaker. We're on Stitcher. We're on, we're on everywhere. So that's so cool. Yeah, I'm yay. learning about this in real time with you guys. Thank yeah. you, Podcast Master Hannah. It really took five minutes. So if you guys have a podcast and you don't like your hosting service or you want a free one, go to Anchor because it's actually really worth it. Yeah. And I like guess super worth it. Get into it while it's free because that feels like it, something that won't be I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I have no idea, but it, it was cool. And it literally, you type in, no one cares about this. <laughs> We're everywhere now. Who knows? There are a lot. I was listening to a different podcast and they said that there's somewhere around like 
two million podcasts out there just in the world wow which is crazy and i might be ballooning it out it might no it's i not. feel like there's got to be more than that the, almost right. probably so it's it's wild everyone has a podcast yeah. our mutual my friend brett she reached out she was like hannah was talking to me about y'all's podcast and like i talked to my other friend and we kind of want to start a podcast i about was like what? oh my god please do i don't know i didn't ask but i'm glad i mentioned that because i was like when I see Hannah next, we're going to record. <laughs> I'll ask her at what program she uses. There you go. I was like, she's like, ah, tell me all the things. I was like, I don't know. No, no. I don't do I, any We're of not it. experts. No, no, I, no, I no, just no. talk and yeah. <laughs> sit here and chug my drink, drink. while Hannah drink, deals drinks. with the tech. <laughs> Sometimes. Um, okay. That's all I had to say. Yay. Cassie is first. So I'm first up. Go for it. We've got a nice, good old fashioned, depressing episode for you guys. Soup's depressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm actually going to begin this with a little background of why I chose the story and these victims. Look at you pulling a Hannah. I know. I was like, I wanted to, I almost typed picture it, but I was like, no, oh, no, 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 no. I think I I'm going first. <laughs> okay. You guys realize that I stole that from Golden Girls? Did you really? Yes. Of you did. I love it. I know. It's always Sophia's thing. Every time she goes into a story, so picture it, Sicily, uh, blah, blah, blah. I love that. That's what that's from. I so, love that. I'm not original. No, no, no. All of my personality was taken from like The Office and Vanderpump Rules at this point. Oh, so God. Vanderpump none of Rules. us are original. Cool. <laughs> so in 2011, I was working at a skating rink called Champions Roller World. It's Hell like yeah. outside of Houston. Um, I was working as a party hostess. So I was like 18 at the time. I had worked there for a f- couple of years, probably like three years. So I, at this point, as an 18 year old, 10 friggin' years ago, I had no concepts of guns mm. or real danger because mass shootings just weren't as much of a thing as they are now yeah. like now you know <laughs> when we're not in lockdown or whatever there's one every single week that we all hear about i also probably wasn't too privy to the news at that stage mm-hmm. in my life well i mean 2011 like what was social media what was you know what i mean you had facebook and yeah. i think you had facebook and maybe like a what what was the phone back then? I guess an iPhone was still around. I didn't have an iPhone until about 2015. So yeah. I didn't have a smartphone. Yeah, you're right. I didn't have a means to just like scroll sit and sit and, scroll. and uh, you know, yeah, absorb. And I've never watched the news. So yeah, there could have <laughs> been, and we'll find out later that there, there were a lot of shootings going on. I just was not aware. I had yeah. no idea. So, you know, we're working, um, we're working one Sunday. It's like a busy, busy shift. I'm serving pizza and ice Hell cream yeah. to a bunch of like screaming children, yeah. fucking packed skating rink. Did you get free pizza? Um, if our boss was in a good mood because okay. the owners were very, they had very little inventory system, but for some reason we still weren't allowed to like get free food. I don't know. That's so Pizza's funny because like your $7. job now is like influencing you how you look back on uh-huh, your old job. They did not have an inventory no system. No inventory whatsoever. <laughs> I used to be their inventory yeah. system as like a I'll count these pizzas of pizza. Uh-huh. Anyway, sorry. Okay. No, no. free pizza. So... You know, we were serving to very loud and boisterous. It's just a full friggin' place. And our boss came over to us, and the party hostesses are ones that had been there for a while. So we had known the manager, um, and we were friends with him. He's cool, cool ass fucking dude. And he let us know that at another roller rink near Dallas, one that was actually owned by the brother of the man who owned our roller rink. Wow. Um, they had just suffered a shooting the day prior. 
So I don't really know why I remember this so clearly, but I remember feeling as if like reality shifted a little bit because all of a sudden I was aware of like, I'm in a place that looks exactly like the Dallas rank, like exactly. Was it like a chain? No. Okay. They were just just, like, they're just brothers. Like a family chain? (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. And both skating rinks have like the same carpet, the same color scheme. So it was, I just remember like kind of looking around and having this fear set in of, oh my God, it could happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking about what the employees did and he was like, they just, they, they hid. And I was like, what would we do? If we're standing here, what would we do? And he was like, you would duck. duck. That's all you could do because we're too far from the office. You would be. I was like, okay. You have that like barrier, wall barrier, and that's about it. That's a about wooden it. or like whatever plot. What is the drywall, uh-huh. whatever barrier? That's it. Uh, in the, you know, flimsy doors that mm-hmm. can easily be kicked in. So it just, I don't know. It was this weird shift where I, you know, stuff like that wasn't supposed to happen at a place like a skating rink with just children and families and Oh you know, my God, this is the classic phrase. It doesn't happen it here. It doesn't happen here. Not in this neighborhood. We not never, this we yeah. never <laughs> locked the skating rink doors. Right. <laughs> so I just remember it like sticking with me. Yeah. It stuck with me. And, you know, 10 years later, I found myself still thinking about it. It popped into my head when Hannah was like, hey, let's uh, record soon. It's like, what am I going to, what is what's the vibe I want to go mm-hmm. for? What do I want to search for? And I was like, oh my God, I've never looked into this. That just kind of stuck with me for years and years. So this takes us to Grand Prairie, Texas. Uh, it's a community kind of smack dab in the middle of DFW. So Grand Prairie currently, I don't know what it was 10 years ago, but it currently has just one roller rink that is coded in Grand Prairie. But Sounds about right. Yeah, there are many other communities super yeah. close by Arlington is like five minutes away you know but it's it, all trash <laughs> it's the Grand Prairie <laughs> skating rink yeah. so this takes us to Forum Roller World so Forum Forum oh. yes Forum Roller World it's just like any other skating rink like I said bright colored walls bright colored flooring there's a snack bar there's games yeah. and it's staffed by like young teenagers so on Saturday July 23rd 2011 Forum hosts a private birthday party of about 30 guests for an 11-year-old boy. And this is kind of weird. Like, Saturday is typically a really big night for skating rinks. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much they paid for this, but this is a Saturday night private event. Only the guests of this party are there. I'm going to knock my drink yeah. over. Well, especially, like, when – at least I'm older than you. So when I went to skating rinks, it was when I was significantly younger. Mm-hmm. I was, what, 8 to 12. Yeah. And that was when it was super cheap, like in the 90s, where it was still like primo primo to like go. But like if you saw a kid in like roller skates or versus roller blades, Uh it was like, oh, roller blades are fucking cool. Roller skates are fucking losers. And And now it's flip flopped. Yeah. It's like retro, whatever. Yeah. I cannot skate in skates. (laughs) And it was like kind of a treat to go. Yeah. And so I I don't know, I guess in 2011 it still was, but I mean for a kid 11-year-old birthday party that's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Super cool. And it's still I like 2011 I, it still happens now like I remember the skating rink that was the place. Yeah. Every Friday, every Saturday you go to the skating rink yeah. with your friends. It's just like a huge pivotal piece and, like, of the, adolescence. The lights would like the DJ <laughs> would put like the lights and like strobe it out and stuff uh-huh. and it was like you could like dance and Couple stuff. Couple skate oh, you would just God. go awkwardly hold you hands. Like, Hannah goes sits by herself skate. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> never once. Never once did I have a male couple skate partner. Never once. Good. <laughs> Keep it that way. about the, my sexuality <laughs> these days but 
I would have danced with you. Hey, thank you. Let's go to a skating rink. <laughs> Sidebar, Champions Roller World, uh, before the pandemic hit, they were like planning on doing adult BYOB skating. Hell yeah. Right? That sounds dangerous right? as fuck. Same manager that was there when I was there. He's been there forever. I <gasps> oh love him so God. much. He's the nicest, like the coolest guy. You think he'd be weird? No. Oh he's God, normal? No. He Is he makes, good at skating? He left to go run a wedding venue because he's oh, wow. like, that's what his degree is in, I think. Cause he's amazing at it. And he like just... Just good at hospitality. So yeah, he's really good at hospitality. That's awesome. Really good at putting on a mean face for the little like shithead yeah, kids yeah. that go and like smoke pot in the bathroom or, yeah. Cool guys. So this is a cool, cool <laughs> birthday party. Probably, I mean, private party Saturday night at the rink. This is this kid's like highlight. So you the know? whole place is shut down. Whole place is shut down. Okay. And it's just these like a buyout. Got yep, it. Buyout DJ. Probably someone running the snack counter, yeah. someone running the skates, and then the manager okay. or the owner. All the hot dogs you can eat. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's loud and fun music. Probably at this time, because I was working at a skating rink that very same day, I will tell you, it's a lot of Carly Rae Jepsen playing, a lot Fuck of Justin yeah. Bieber, a lot of like, you know, just fun, upbeat, flashing lights, smell of pizza, sound of children playing. Um, you know, smell of children party, too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> smell of children. Ew, I can smell the, the musty Ugh. smell of skates, the spray that they put in it that like pretends to deodorize uh-huh. it. Doesn't yeah, yeah, do yeah. Anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> so a DJ at that was working the DJ that was working the rink that night told Associated Press, um, you know, so we're kind of moving forward a little bit, mm-hmm. but this happens right in the middle of the events um, that they had just gotten done i'm sorry if you can hear that that's my dog making his bed more comfy i guess <laughs> digging digging yeah, digging finding something <laughs> down here so the dj said that he had just finished leading the guests and singing happy birthday at around 7 p.m when a man named tan doe spoke to him briefly this is the father of the 11 year old okay Tan then shouted for his 11-year-old son and three-year-old daughter to leave the snack area, pulled out a gun, and opened fire. 35-year-old Tan Doe, in just moments, shot his estranged wife and her family, killing her, her two sisters, her brother, and her sister-in-law before fatally shooting himself in the deadliest massacre to happen in the United States that weekend. So, just... And an Asian guy. Mm-hmm. That's rare. It not is. Not to be weird, but like super rare. Because I know you and I both, we really try to not be that podcast that only covers white, white victims girls, and yeah. white murderers. And it's, you know, those are the ones that we've talked about that are reported on more. But yeah. like, we I literally had Gabriel Asian. Hall was mm-hmm. the only Asian guy, yeah. I think. Gabriel mm-hmm. Hall. That was it. So this yeah. is crazy. It's not, it's either not heavily report, widely just reported think that on, or it's less crime rate in that race. Honestly, I, at least yeah, in America. I right. don't know. Yeah, it's it's wild. Um, Interesting. So, so just, he killed himself and the whole family and he, his wife's estranged wives. His estranged wife. OK, so this they finished singing happy birthday. He says something to the DJ and then opens fire. Tells his kids to get the fuck out. Screams at his kids to leave the area. OK. So, and when I say deadliest massacre to happen in the U.S. that weekend, that's why I'm like, I know for sure mm-hmm. shootings were happening. There were about 
Uh, I think I read that 50 people were killed that weekend across the United States via gun violence, but this was That's the deadliest. That's not that bad. <laughs> it's not. And it might be, it might have been a little higher than that, but it wasn't much higher. Yeah. So compared to now mm-hmm. or pre-pandemic times where it's like 50 in a day, not as bad. So this was definitely reported on a little bit more because it was the deadliest and it was at a fucking children's yeah, birthday, the- at your child's mm-hmm. birthday party. So Trini Doe, 29 years old, was killed in the skating rink along with her two sisters. So Trini was the estranged Strange wife, life. mother of the boy oh, and so the So young. Lynn Ta- so Our young. Fucking age. I mean, fucking age. you're right. I don't know older than that, but still. So she was killed along with her two sisters, Lynn Ta, 16, <sighs> Michelle Ta, 28. Oh, my God. Her brother, Hien Ta. 21 and her sister-in-law T Nguyen did he reload 25. like what was the weapon are you, are you I'm sure you'll, you'll get to that maybe happened in about I didn't find the weapon it wasn't mentioned anywhere that I could find but this whole encounter took about 15 to 20 seconds oh, it so always just, does right da, 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 yeah. Da, da. yeah fuck yep so this is done uh, like I said in front of Trini's two children one on one of their birthdays Four other adults are wounded, though those injuries were not fatal. So thank God he I mean. ripped through nine people, ten if you include himself, in a short span of time. Oh, man, I really should. I'll find out what the weapon is. Um, maybe we can post that on Instagram. So, in a statement made the following day, forum owner Walt Hedrick said, "Quote: Kids were having fun, and all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang! It was out of the clear blue. I didn't know what was going on." Hedrick, who was about 40 feet away when the shooting began, pushed some children down and ushered them and employees into an office to hide. Quote, there was nothing anyone could do. And that's where, like, I think I told Hannah earlier that I started crying while reading this. And it's kind of selfish because I I imagine that exact scenario because I was working at a place like that and just, you know. I, I don't know. A it, stray bullet could have hit you. It could have, you know what I mean? You could have been any, innocent I'm, bystander. I can't believe a child was not harmed in this. Truly. Yeah. I mean, it was truly. clearly premeditated. Yes. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think it was, I mean, mass shooting in a, like an asterisk but by it. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's like, it is, but it was specifically exactly. mass shot. Targeted or, <laughs> yeah. 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 So Tan and Trini had been estranged for Sometime, Their marital problems were known. And while one article said that there was an argument between the two at the rink, another said it may have taken place before the party. So conflicting, okay. but there was some sort of argument, which was not really out of the norm for this couple. Yeah. They had been having issues for a while. Also, like, did he just always carry a gun? Ah, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, this guy sounds like a real fucking piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, not, not great. Not just someone that snaps out of nowhere. Sure. And you never would have guessed it. This guy was a fucking piece of shit. So Trini, who was just 18 when their son was born, oh, had tried to get out. She yeah. tried. She tried to protect herself and her children. But as we all know, victims of domestic mm-hmm. violence have more challenges to face than just leaving. Leaving, just the yeah. Act of Easier leaving. said than done. Yeah. So this information comes from an ABC News article. It was put so well that I was like, I can't splice this up. So this is directly from an ABC News article. Um, So they were able to obtain 
records from when Trini filed for divorce from her husband in 2008, so just three years prior, mm-hmm. and for a protective order in 2010. So she withdrew both requests within months of filing each of them. So Because he was threatening her? or uh, yeah. Yep, yep. So in the affidavit for the protective order, Jeez. so 2010, Trini Doe describes three violent incidents with her husband. She said that when she mentioned divorce, her husband, quote, dragged me into the closet, pulled his gun, and shoot one to the ceiling. Also threatening to shoot himself if she left him. Classic fucking... Oh, yeah. Control. Yeah. Yep. Another time, she recalled her husband taking, quote, all the guns out and said he... uh, And she said he, quote, dragged me into the kitchen and slammed me into his knee. A third incident occurred on Thanksgiving when Tan Doe would not allow his wife to sleep after an argument and, quote, poured water in my face every time I closed my eyes. She unfortunately withdrew the request for the protective order in March 2011 against the advice of her attorney and four months later is dead. I think if you, like, approach whoever you have to approach to, uh, you know, rescind your protective order, they should be like, can you fill out this form of, like, why? Right. Like, you can tell us. Just, like, write it real quick in sign language. Or, like, you know what I mean? If, like, mm-hmm. the guy's there with you or whoever is there with you. Like, right. that should... I'm, I'm not making sense. That should be a huge red, red flag. No, absolutely. Of, like, why are you taking it back? Are yes. you, Do you really want to be doing this? It's, like, the code words that you're supposed to use if, like, the killer's right in front of you and you're on the phone with 911 or whatever. Right. Like, you know what I'm talking about? These people, they're not... <laughs> they're not the type that are just going to, like, tuck tail and run away. Like, did yeah. you... I'm sure you heard about... It's probably... Gosh, a year ago now since we've been in this pandemic for so long, but <laughs> the Zoom court hearing no. that happened where there is the survivor of domestic violence. Oh, she God. was taking her estranged husband to court for I don't I don't know what the exact circumstances were, but it's her in one little box, her attorney, the judge, and then him in another box. And she, you look in the video, she keeps looking to the side she keeps looking away and the attorney picks up on it and she yeah. goes your honor i have reason to believe that she's my yeah, yeah my client is in the same room oh, as fuck. this and well and she was probably there. was because they can't go anywhere if you're in lockdown he was there so the judge made him like show his surround he was at the fucking house even though he was not allowed to be there he forced his he way probably in. had a fucking gun to the back of her head mm-hmm. or something yeah so it's you know, oh, it's not like scary. it's very easy for. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just well, and so he may sad. have threatened the kids. He may have threatened mm-hmm. again his life, her life, etc. But you're right. It should be there. Should be something. And I hope there's something where yeah. they have to like. Are you really sure? Exp- yeah. yeah. Can like, you can we separate you from whoever mm-hmm. you're with and like really? Can we pay for like, an advocate hotel, or put you in something? Protective custody. <clears throat> I don't know. You think America would pay for that shit? No. No. That'd be nice. <clears throat> We'd be. That sounds socialist to me. Yeah, it sounds a little <laughs> British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, quote: Sometimes the victim will withdraw the complaint because they don't want their loved one to go to jail. They just want them to get help. This is quoted from Detective John Brimmer, public information officer for the Grand Prairie Police Department, which I appreciated because there was no victim blaming. It's like this yeah. is they just hope that they can get yeah. help. This is a person they built a life with. She had Trini had been with him at least in, since she was 18. Yeah, I would assume a little bit before he's older than her. I don't know. Yeah. It's just really hard after that amount of time. 11 fucking years to 
And you don't know the cultural dynamic there. Right. What was their marriage arranged? Was it forced? Did they actually were they in love at some point? Have they known each other since they were kids? Who knows? You never know. Of like the uh, level of commitment and like whatever level Re- of how trapped. How, yeah. 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 Level yeah. of control for sure. Right. So quote, unfortunately, it was a marital problem that went extremely badly. No one had any inkling he would do anything like this. So Brimmer said that as well. And it's like, yeah, maybe in the family, maybe in their circle of friends. Because she probably wasn't. She had to have maybe said something to someone to be able to go and get an attorney to get this going. Right. right? And the protective orders, like they have record of her saying that he was violent towards her. Yeah. Threatening to kill himself. Threatening to kill everyone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's bullshit. Yeah. Um, So their children orphaned on July 23rd, 2011, were placed with family members, I believe an aunt, and I'm not not going to try to dig into any, I don't give a fuck what their names are, what... Yeah, 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 whatever. That's yeah, trauma. This little yeah. boy is 22 now. Oh, man. The little girl is 14. I know this is sad, awful. but I mean, maybe they're better off. Like, obviously, their family life yeah. probably wasn't going to be good growing up anyway. They're definitely better off without him. Yes, probably for sure, not, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Trini... She probably was great, but yeah, yeah. it seems like she was. So unfortunately, we really only have the series of events. We don't know why Tan decided to open fire and target his wife and her family with their children present in a public area. I don't know if something set him off like an argument, like one article said, or if it was something that was clearly planned. It's not abnormal. Actually, it's pretty fucking common for someone to have a gun on them in Texas, which is petrifying to me <laughs> but to bring a gun into your child's i'm pretty sure at the skating rink i worked at we had a no firearms policy or even like a metal detector i remember when those were like all cool right. after columbine <laughs> yeah for real so it's it definitely seems like you were saying premeditated yeah this was his intention but why the fuck would you do it? like like make a show the worst time you I know i think he wanted it to be a show of like yeah big middle finger maybe you know because that's the type of person who's like when they're threatening to kill themselves that's like very performative dramatic very, yeah. yeah yeah so i not mean i guess to, he not really to meant it no yeah no, no, but no, like no, no, no. a man like this is not gonna commit suicide because a woman leaves he's gonna use that as a tool right to, to manipulate be, and yes. yeah control yeah. yet again so I have questions, but unfortunately, this tragedy will always leave us with a lot of those unanswered. But on the Sunday after the killings, placed uh, people placed teddy bears outside of Forum Roller World mm-hmm. and uh, signed with a message that said, God bless the prairie. And then a smaller message on the uh, outside of it said, read, Walt and staff, you have been a beacon of light to this community. This too shall pass. Then the rank opened that afternoon. What? The day after? The they day got after? it cleaned up? Uh-huh. I guess overnight. Sheesh. And then opened <laughs> after a fucking mass murder happened. Hey, we can't lose money, y'all. Well, and Did he, anyone show up? Yes. Ugh. The community outpoured because <laughs> oh, this was oh, a community oh, oh. pillar. Got it, got it, got and, it. And they Walt, showed up to, like, give money to, like, also show support and, I like, think so. not to be like, hey, we have no idea what's going on. Let's go well, fucking and skate. also Sunday's a big day for birthday parties. <laughs> but Walt we did say. We can't cancel Brian's party, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> he said that he wasn't going to let this, uh, you know, the skating, you know, just really talked about what 
the value that roller skating brought to the community and brought to the children joy and happiness and like we're not gonna let this let him win we're not gonna i don't know yeah yeah no i see that i guess i can see that it's still a little (sighs) weird fine line but it's like a little um he had good reason disrespectful but like also understandable to Uh like when when do you open at that point i I don't know i a week I say you close. I say you close for a week. Yeah, because like, what kind of business are you getting on like a Tuesday? You know, right? Like, I, 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 I think you, you can handle it. You're closed on that Sunday. Like, did you, you get all the, the blood parties. scrubbed off? And like, that's impossible. Like, that's impossible. Those walls are carpeted. There's oh, gonna. Fuck, there's you're right. probably still blood unless they re- replace the carpeting at some point. In which they probably five did. hours, right? So, <laughs> I just because. He yeah. shot himself in the head, so there's also brain matter. I'm sure. Just, Ugh. I don't know, man. I want to know, like, he was standing in front of the DJ, right? Did the DJ near, just, like... Near it, yeah. He witnessed, like, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. All the staff. So everyone. traumatizing. Because when you sing Happy Birthday at one of those events... Everyone gathers around. Gather oh, he planned around. that shit so hard. He wanted... You're right. You're right. He wanted the Perfect attention. Perfect timing. He wanted the... And he wanted everyone close Mm -hmm. so he didn't have to, like, oh, 30 feet over there, 20 feet over there. Oh, that bitch is in the bathroom. Right. I want want my kids close so I can tell them to get out. All eyes on fucking me. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're right. So, Trini Ta Do was born in Saigon, Vietnam on August 17th, 1981. She worked in the accounting department um, and in grant management. There we go. Uh, at the University of Texas at Arlington. Wow. She was a part-time realtor for Universal Realty and a member of Sacred Heart of Mary Catholic Church. Well, she, she sounds great. had a beautiful smile. And the picture we're going to post, she, oh, God, she just looks like such a light of a person. Yeah. They all do. They all, like, are beautiful, just, like, big, big smiles. Um, so Trini's aunt, Janice Tran, and other relatives remembered her as a good-natured person who worked two jobs, worked hard, yeah. and really loved to travel. Quote, when you talked to her, you knew what kind of person she was, Tran said. Maria Lintaw was born in Fort Smith, Arkansas, on March 9th, 1995. She was a high school student when she was murdered. This is a 16-year-old? This is a 16-year-old. She's... Yeah. Relatives remembered her for her smile and her passion for taking photos with friends. This is where I really started crying. So it's like, oh, God, fucking 16, 16. Yeah. Um, Maria Lintaw was born in also Fort Smith, Arkansas on March 9th, 1995. Nope. Sorry. Michelle Taw was born December 18th, 1982, also in Fort Smith. She was married. She was a financial worker for UT Arlington and was also working on her real estate license. I feel like that probably means her and Trini were maybe yeah. going to go into business together. Yeah. You know, she loved to shop and to cook. Or at least like co-workers, yeah. employees, something. Yeah. yeah. Hien Ta was an avid swimmer and basketball player. He was born January 30th, 1990, also in Fort Smith. And he worked as a technician for AT&T. T Nguyen, it's T H U Y, so I'm probably butchering that. T, I think it's T. I've met people with similar spelling. So Scott has a friend who's from, or he's not from Vietnam, but he's Vietnamese, mm. and his name's Tang, but it's spelled T H A N G. Okay. So Thang, okay. but it's Tang. Okay. So it might be. Maybe t- two, tui, 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 yeah, tui, I don't tui, know, two, two. God, we should. We don't we need know to ourselves in like. I'll ask Tang and he might know. Yeah, and he honestly. Might be like, yeah, that was really you. You, you <laughs> fucked that up. Yeah. Um, so Teen Win was twenty five. 
I could not find much on her, mm-hmm. but I, sh- I did find that she was buried in Vietnam. Okay. So she, I, I think, I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate because I, I couldn't find much on her. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even find a picture. I'm going to keep looking before That's I send you bad. pictures. Okay. Because um, I'm not sure, you know, uh, Trini and her siblings, you know, there were four of them that were killed. Mm-hmm. And there are, I believe, four more that oh, are wow. living. So there was, it was a big family. I'm not sure which brother For sure. he was married to. Um, which Trini is the cutest name ever. Mm-hmm. Trini's like the cutest it name ever. T R I N I, which is so I know it's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> so more than four hundred people attended their service, which was held in Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. I I left off the S, <laughs> and so I was like, oh, the S isn't there. So I just was like S. Arkansas. Sure, 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 sure. Good God. So more than 400 people attended their service um, and reading about it. I thought about like adding more about the service. It was awful, like incredibly sad. At one point, the priest that was conducting the service, who I think knew them all as children, because I think that was where they like went to Mm -hmm. church when they grew up. Um, Their father was standing in front of their frigging caskets with his arms crossed and the priest just has his hand on him and is like saying like really nice words about everything and then everyone raises uh a, a, raises a hand i believe it's some i don't know it just it was so sad to think of this like poor man standing in front of all these people with his four fucking babies yeah. behind him i just i can't over some dipshit guy fucking a so that's you know <laughs> all i could find about it but you know for questions and theories i you know was it planned police yeah. think so we obviously think so he he definitely came with a motive he knew he was going to do that and now hannah has helped me realize that it was for sure performative for <laughs> fucking sure fuck this guy man yeah so i would like to know if cps was ever involved when yeah. she was when reporting know, all of yeah, these happenings that's a great you know, question I, I know CPA it's a broken system where and, and I know that children are taken away from their parents when they shouldn't be and people that should be taken and put in protective custody yeah. aren't and it's like so fucking broken but I don't know if she's only reporting statements of he's threatening to abuse me or himself and right. not the kids would they step in because right. there's no documentation of like oh no he's he doesn't want to hurt the kids. Yeah. It's just me or himself. Yeah. Which, like, still you should be like, oh, shouldn't there be a 72-hour psychiatric Something. evaluation, you know? Something. I don't know. It's That's a great question, though. Awful for children to, even if they're never harmed. Yeah. Growing up in a household. Of abuse, like for that, sure. Yeah, it's just scarring. And it was obviously at least sort of, kind of, maybe, my question sort of asked that, too, of, like, behind closed doors. Maybe the kids had no idea mm-hmm. because he may have been doing things when they're not around right. in their bedroom when no one's seeing you know what i mean the yeah. whole like it hit him where it doesn't show oh god yeah i also i would love to know why he targeted trini's siblings as well like if his I plan was down. to take out her entire family oh uh, yeah yeah so, i wrote like to go with your question if you don't yeah, mind yeah, yeah. <clears throat> i wrote i wonder if he knew if they specifically were helping her with the divorce mm, process or question. with the protective order because if he only specifically shot and also that ties in with maybe what weapon he was using if he was like hey I only have 10 rounds 12 rounds whatever I have to and like if you could determine like how many bullets went into each specific person then it would show like okay yeah these four people were primarily targeted gotta save one for me you know right and or for himself so I mean I feel like there had to have been either the closest people next to her Uh or 
specifically who was helping her. Right. If he could even determine that. That's a good connection. Who would be helping her? I feel like a man like this would, again, smartphones weren't that huge of a thing, but he definitely. Was a control freak. He, he probably knew. Yeah, he probably knew passwords to all her emails. Yeah. All, yeah. So I'm sure he would know who would be helping her. Or, I don't know, coerced her into telling him or, yeah. or something or knew who Heck. she was closest with. It had to have been, I'm, I'm speculating, but I mean, like, Maria or Michelle Michelle was the one that worked with her mm-hmm. so it's like it's probably gonna be her because they work in the real 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 estate stuff together yeah. and like but to go after like young Maria oh my god like I don't know if that fits right so it could have just also been whoever was standing Who was next closest. to her it might have been a mix yeah right in like a moment of mm-hmm. chaos yeah um I really wish if this had in a world where this had to happen really wish he had just stopped at you know, if he had to kill his wife, just you and her, you know, yeah. like there's no reason to take out. There's no reason to take out Trini at all. I wish he had just fucking like, look at me. And then and like blew his own head off. Yeah, yeah. That would have saved, you know, it still would have been would've traumatic, been trauma, but, but yeah, they would have had their mother to <clears throat> carry or at least through. like if you're going to kill her, then don't kill yourself so we can maybe get some answers. Oh my God. Yeah. And not and that that matters, but sit in a hole for the right, rest of your and life. Rot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then my last question was just like, we already talked about how the fuck did the rink open the next day? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, not, that must be they should use whatever biohazard cleanup crew that yeah. came in. They should use that as like their slogan, like massacre, yeah. <laughs> massacre to open and. 15 hours we got the job done it's just wild to me but i mean maybe maybe they did the song i mean that doesn't sound right because normally you have like you're singing around a cake right so the cake's at a table which is off to the side i was thinking if you're on the rink that's an easy mop up swiperoo but no you're on on the the carpet Yeah, I don't know. Everything is yeah. carpet because when you think about But it's always like a burgundy around, or like a yes, teal. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So like it blends right in. Ugh. You're good. You're not going to put bleach on that. So gross. Clean up that frontal lobe on the carpet and then you're let's mm-hmm. skate y'all. Oh, uh, uh, so awful. <laughs> Fucking yeah. So those are those are my questions. Uh, you know, I my only theory would be I think what Hannah said that like yep Yep, yep. Yeah. Performative. He did it on purpose. It wasn't a moment of passion where he was like, I hate you. It was like, for yeah. sure, he picked his moment mm-hmm. and. He probably uh, sealed the deal with her of like, oh, yeah, babe, it's fine. I'm so sorry. Let's have this birthday party and everything will be fine. Sorry that I was an asshole, whatever. And probably like got into her good graces in a certain sense and then was like, psych, fuck right. you. Right, and that would probably make sense if, uh, for the reason that the um, gossip, the detective, I don't know. Oh gosh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Brimmer. So Brimmer saying that no one had any inkling he would do anything like that. That would make sense that he was like playing the perfect Mm -hmm. dad, the perfect husband that day. Because it takes a couple weeks to maybe plan a party, send out (sighs) the invites. Yeah, you know, get into her good graces. Do you need to go potty? Poor little boy. We'll let you on in a second, blah, blah. <laughs> I have to go potty, too. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's awful. It's yeah. just so sad. That's crazy. I never knew that story. I'm I so know. glad you told that one. Fucking A, Nice little personal touch there. Five fucking people in a span of, like, what, they 30 seconds? That's so sad. It's awful. I'm surprised, honestly, that he didn't kill his kids. I know that sounds yes. mean, but, like, no. I'm really surprised that he didn't kill them and left her right left trini alive and killed the children right pull the john battaglia bullshit yes it 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 really 
confounds me like why yeah. he picked the victims that he picked aside from Trini because he had his reasons whatever they may mm-hmm. have been for we'll never know yeah just a fucking piece of shit abuser so it's a know, great um quick little mass murder story yep just a quick little short little you know fucking almost familicide <laughs> yeah yeah so fuck, fuck you, you Tando. Tan? yeah fuck you big one yeah <laughs> Let me get back to the top of my page. Um, I'm going to tell you about the murder of Stephanie Ray Flannery. This takes place in May of 1993 and in May, Texas. Mm-hmm. Ah. May is a small ass town about an hour outside of Abilene. So the majority of the articles that I read in the book that was written on this case, um, either State Brownwood or May. So whatever, pick whichever one you want. Yeah, I don't know either of those. And then Abilene is like also very small in my brain. So it's actually not like I've just driven really? through there recently to go to Colorado and to New Mexico. And it's not that bad. Huh. Yeah. Huh. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. I need to I need to place it on the map. It's not too bad. It's near like north of Lubbock, I guess. So a literal of oh, whoa. A little. <laughs> okay. I don't want to be nervous about this, okay? No. You got this. All right. <clears throat> Thank you so much. A little after 10 p.m. on Saturday night, uh, May 22nd, 1993, Brown County Deputy Don Roberts would arrive at the home of Ricky McGinn and his wife, Janet Flannery. So the couple had um, moved into the home only a few weeks prior to... Um, then I guess yeah with Janet's two daughters from a previous marriage which um one was 12 year old Stephanie and the uh she had a younger sister named Denise who was just 10 Hmm. greeting the deputy at the McGinn home was Ricky's friend oh my god get this forensic files name Steve Sirois S-I-R-O-I-S that's not a real last name it looks like cirrhosis like (laughs) of the liver yeah Uh, Anyway, the two would meet up with Ricky, who had been searching around the back of the home for Stephanie. Hmm. Ricky tells Deputy Roberts that Stephanie is 12 years old. She's five foot three, around 100 pounds. She was also blonde and blue eyed. Um, Deputy Roberts notices that Ricky seemed a little bit anxious, but he's, you know, relatively controlled, maybe slightly buzzed. But he continues to ask some basic questions. And the three of them kind of went on this search around the house. Uh, Ricky described what Stephanie was last seen wearing, which I have to mention because it sounds amazing. So a gray t-shirt with the word hillbilly on the front of it. Adorable. And some like green and white striped shorts and white tennis shoes. Oh, that sounds so I cute. know. Precious. Um, the deputy also asked Ricky when he last saw Stephanie that day. And Ricky responds stating it was around like 5, 520. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, Ricky or excuse me. Ricky was like, oh, Stephanie takes these walks around the property. So like, whatever. I knew she'd be back. Casual. According to Ricky, Stephanie would head west past the north end of the pond on the property and then return to the house by the way of road 417. She enjoyed nature. She would walk around outside search of like animals, rabbits, deer, whatever. And so this was never an issue before. Totally normal. Never had a problem. Okay, Ricky tells Deputy Roberts that he officially began looking for Stephanie several hours later around like 830. So um, he said like five-ish to now it's fast forward to like 830. He said he looked around for about an hour or so, couldn't find her, which is when he called the sheriff's office around 940. And then they arrived. Deputy Roberts arrived around 10. So he didn't start searching for her until three hours later because he had been working on his truck 
when Stephanie asked him uh, to go swimming at her grandmother's house, who lived in Tamarack Mountain. It's like a neighborhood, which is essentially like right on Lake Brownwood. Okay. Like, I don't know. I didn't time it on Google Maps, but it's not far. Okay. Uh, he explained to Stephanie that he couldn't take her right then. He was kind of like in the middle of working on his truck. Um, but if she could just like wait a little bit, he'd have the truck running. He could take her. So this is when Stephanie said, OK, cool. I'm just going to go on a walk around the property to which he was like, don't be long. You know, assuming he'd have the truck fixed shortly, mm-hmm. whatever. So the three men looked for Stephanie around the pond, the property outbuildings, fenced pens, a cellar that was like partially like dilapidated, whatever. And they searched around like two hours. And Deputy Roberts decided, hey, you know what? We need to call in some more experienced help. Let's get some search dogs, search party. Like, let's get some people out here. Um, so while a search party was being organized, Ricky decided it was finally time, you know, to call his wife. Janet McGinn and Steve Sorosis, whatever, his wife, Robin, <laughs> this is so good. It might be my favorite part of the whole story. We're um, out of town together at a bowling tournament in Arlington, Texas. Boy, boy. <laughs> Which sounds like a lovely, long lesbian weekend uh-huh. if I've ever heard of one. Uh-huh. But that's just me. Um, anyways, Steve actually called Janet up. Not Ricky. Okay. So Steve called the hotel that the women were staying at and kind of in brief told her what was going on. He said, you know, Ricky said Stephanie went out to the woods. She said she'd be back in an hour. And that was several hours ago. Initially, Janet wasn't too worried. She thought Stephanie may have just lost track of time. She'd be back back later. You know, it was a new area to explore. And after all, it was summertime. Like, she didn't have anywhere to be. So what was the rush to get home? Like, what? Are you going to hang out with your little sister, your fucking stepdad? No. Like, Mm -hmm. what's the big deal? Yeah. So being convinced by their husbands, the women decided not to leave until the morning. Since it was getting dark out and a storm was looking like it was about to pass through town. Plus, you know, you can't bail on that fucking tournament. (laughs) High stakes. Okay, so back at the McGinn home, the search search was still pretty much ongoing. By 4 a.m., the organized group had searched the home, two cars, and even an abandoned hospital infirmary. Not far from the property that Stephanie was known to frequent, which is like... Sidebar, super cool. Yeah, spooky bitch. Hell yeah. Uh, A couple hours later, by 6 a.m., search and rescue dogs were called in from Dallas, and David Mercer of the Brown County Sheriff's Office Criminal Investigation Division, I can't believe I said that, actually, was also called in. Uh, David relieved Deputy Roberts from his shift and began the early morning with interviewing Ricky McGinn. So during the interview... Ricky tells David that he and Janet had been married for about three and a half years. He said that he and Stephanie had gotten along pretty well for this like stepdaughter, stepparent relationship. Overall, she was a good kid. Not a lot of arguments, whatever. Um, During the interview, police were getting some reports of possible sightings, some other leads, some blonde girls in town, but they turned out to be much older. So obviously not Stephanie Flannery. Additionally, the dog teams I just mentioned were getting ready to be deployed for searching. So one of the dogs named Burka. Uh, smelled the ground where the truck Ricky claimed he had been working on the previous day was parked. And I thought this was funny. The truck evidently had a bumper sticker on it that said, I love my truck. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. I have that's a picture a of it. Great personality. It's cute. <laughs> oh, my God. That's both of ours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, Burka and a cadaver dog named Jabo had confirmed these alerts pointed out by Burka, which were at the truck, the house, uh, and the boat. Oh, excuse me. They weren't at the truck, the house, or the boat. They Mm. were actually at the pond and Ricky's other car, a Ford Escort. That's where the scent was picked up. Yes. They alerted at the pond and the Ford Escort. Okay. 
Eerily, the search turned up a couple of weird clues that they believed at the time might be um, might be helpful to locate Stephanie. One was a note attached to a fence post, which is kind of spooky, but also like if you think about it, really not that bad. It's kind of basic. It was partially burned, which is kind of weird. Uh, it just said follow fence to dirt. All of the words having like their first letter capitalized. So like whatever. But also like, hey, it may just be a sign to say, hey, keep following the fence. Right. Yeah. There's a dirt path. <laughs> yeah. The, the dirt road. Whatever. Uh, the second clue was a ball cap with the words Shaw's laundry on it. Okay. They were both sent to Austin for forensic testing to see if it had any correlation, whatever. Um, they even went into that old hospital I was talking about and they found like jewelry that um, she had made. And it was like hanging from the ceiling. Oh it was God, really she creepy. She hung out there. Yeah, she was cool as fuck. What a cool girl. I know. Um, but as far as I know, the only connection to any of these items was the fact that Ricky had worked at Shaw's Laundry for a brief period of time. Okay. So nothing nefarious, just like. Nope. Shaw's Laundry might have like sponsored a baseball team. And sure. That's right. Yeah. And <laughs> or it was like his uniform. I don't know. Right. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, so as the searchers uh, continued on, uh, they grew wary a little bit. But then soon, Texas Ranger, mm. sexy old Texas Ranger, Bob Grubbs. Not a great name. No, no, no. Sorry, I Bob. knew a guy in school named Stephen Grubbs, and he was fucking weird. So. Oh, no. Sorry, Grubbs, Stephen. You just kind of have to either yeah. choose to you know, know. deal with it or, or deal with it. I think I would choose to be weird if my last name was Grubbs. For sure, for sure. <laughs> just accept it. Yeah. Um, so Bob and investigator David Mercer pulled Ricky aside. Um, Bob explained to Ricky that several of the dogs had paid particular interest to his 1987 Ford Escort four-door hatchback, uh, which was parked between the house and the pond. Ricky was adamant that there was nothing in the vehicle and that they had permission permission to search it, so they began searching and filming the car. Hmm. Deputies and, new to the case, investigator Mike McCoy, Forensic Files, began combing the Ford Escort looking for any visible an obvious evidence so the interior of the vehicle was red which fucking sucks yeah so spots that resemble blood on the seats were a bit hard to distinguish um but as the search went on they began to notice the blood spatter on the floor windows doors and an old lone star light cardboard case on the floorboard as well as a small igloo ice cooler i have a picture of the cardboard like the the Lone Star. It's like that's super cool. Yeah, it was in the book. But also, what the fuck? Why? Like, you're free to search the car. You didn't clean it first. He's a fucking dipshit. That's true. This guy is like that's real true. bad. Oh god. As McCoy filmed the scene, his camera focused in on what appeared to be brain matter, oh, or no. uh, flesh, as well as as well as several strands of hair stuck to the right and rear side of the hatchback area. Uh, the car was impounded, sent to Austin with all the Shaw's laundry and the burn note and all that stuff. Uh, in addition to the car, a pair of Ricky's, Ricky's tennis shoes had traces of smeared rust-colored spots on them, all very similar to the spots found in the vehicle. So more or less, Ricky is fucked. Yep. Back at the police station, Ricky was asked to go over that Saturday one more time. Quote, Stephanie was awake when Janet left and decided to stay home with me. Denise, Janet's youngest daughter, went home with Steve Sorosis. Saturday morning to stay with him until Janet and Robin returned from the bowling tournament. Ricky explained. Weird. Sounds weirdish, but evidently Steve and his wife Robin knew Janet and Ricky separately before they were married. They actually introduced them, so they were fairly familiar with the daughters. Kind of like Did knew they have them. A young daughter, her age? not that I'm aware of. Okay, but it was, it was like, like Uncle Steve, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. a little weird, but I think harmless. Yeah. 
Hopefully. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, so he continues telling investigators that after, after Janet left, he gave Stephanie uh, a driving lesson along the back roads of Brown County. They had returned home around noon. So keep that in mind. He stated that Stephanie then went swimming in the dirt stock pond located approximately 50 yards directly behind their house. Okay. So Bob Grubbs asked Ricky what Stephanie was wearing when she went swimming and what kind of bathing suit Stephanie has. Ricky responds stating, quote, she was wearing shorts and a T-shirt. She had left her swimsuit at her grandmother's house. He said she had two swimsuits. One was like a full colored one piece and the other was a two piece like multicolored, which I don't think my dad knew my bathing suits, but like, no. OK, let alone yeah. a fucking stepdad. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, he claimed she only swam for about 15 to 20 minutes and then she came back to the house and changed into her hillbilly shirt and striped shorts and went walking in the pasture behind the house. When she came back after that walk is when she wanted me to take her to the, her grandmother's house to go swimming again. Mm-hmm. But I was working on the car. Right. <laughs> I, I got out of my bathing suit. Changed, right, right. And now I want to get go back, back in my bathing suit. My yeah. Wet bathing suit. Which is or my other one, according oh, right. to him. The, other, the two-piece now <laughs> yeah. that he can describe in great detail. Oh, God. You'll die. Okay. Oh, no. Remember, he said earlier that they arrived home at noon, mm-hmm. swam for 15 to 20 minutes, but somehow now it's that 5 to 520 oh. time frame that she walked around the property and while he was working on the car. Okay. This guy can't clean it. Yeah. He's that. a dumb fuck. Yeah. I mean, neither can we. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can no. clean pretty good. <laughs> I... You can do math pretty good, okay, too. Okay, maybe a We're, little. If you Not can, on command. If you can combine us together, we, we can be better than Ricky better McGinn. Better than Ricky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he then changes his story a little and says that Stephanie went into the house and talked on the phone for a little while and then went walking, this guy, again, around 5. That still doesn't account for, oh, I don't know, the 1230 to fucking 5 p.m. Right. Block of time, but okay. So and the investigators then shift to questioning him about his car. Ricky didn't uh, apparently didn't know how the bloodstains got into the back of his car or he had forgotten or he was taking his time searching for an explanation the investigators might believe. And he primarily went with the latter. So the like, let's make something up, essentially, is Mm -hmm. what he went with. Yeah. This is so stupid, Cassie. (laughs) He claimed that Stephanie and Denise would go fishing and he'd just open up the fucking hatchback to the car and they'd just throw the fish they caught into the car. Like, I maybe I could see that if it was like a metal truck bed or a truck yeah. bed liner, but not a cloth lined interior car. Okay. Stinky, dead fish. No fucking way. No. 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 His answer for why there was blood throughout the entire car from head to toe was that some of the fish they caught had like a hook lodged like really deep in their throat. So the removal was like messy and they just toss them in the car. So they land everywhere. And some of the fish were bloody. So, like, that's what he thought explained it. What the fuck? But, like, unfortunately for him, the majority of the blood spatter started at the front of the car and worked its way back, not vice versa. (laughs) So, again, dum-dum. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell him it was fish I killed. Yeah. (laughs) He, like, blamed on, uh, they were like, yeah, we didn't, we actually never saw any fish or bones or anything. And he was like, oh, the cats must have got them. And the smell. Yeah, also. right, right, right. The cat's yeah. got the smell, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the investigators would go back and forth with simple question to hard questions, such as, how much had you been drinking Saturday? To, where's Janet? Mm. To, can we take some samples from you? And Ricky agreed to being transported to Brownwood Regional Hospital for fingernail scrapings, blood samples, hair combings, and semen samples. Wow. This, like, fucking, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, yeah. thank God. 
the uh, they would also seize his clothing as well. Janet McGinn would finally arrive home to a yard full of news media reporters. And while Janet gave a tearful interview to a camera crew on her lawn, investigators were meeting with the DA. And we still, at this point, do not have Stephanie's body. Mm -hmm. Okay. On May 23rd, 1993, the evening after Stephanie went went missing, Ricky was arrested. This arrest came at a point where, like you just kind of mentioned, the blood in the car was inconclusive, Stephanie's body hadn't been found, and a murder weapon hadn't been located. However, police believe that Ricky could be the perpetrator simply based on his history and the scene at the home and in the car. <clears throat> this is bad. Oh, so, because, in fact, Ricky had a long criminal history dating all the way back to 1985 and possibly before, so check this shit out. These are all kind of like shortened versions of these instances. They're much more, they're awful in detail, but like it would take me like forever. So he had been convicted of threatening Pamela Adams with a knife and forcing her into sexual acts with him, a.k.a. repeatedly raped at knife point. Like she went into detail of how he anal, vaginal, oral, anal, vaginal, oral, like just constant, constant, constant with like a knife at her side. Terrible. Oh, my God. Ricky also physically assaulted in an attempt to rape a young woman named Sonia Vaughn, a sophomore at Abilene Christian University. When after they had been out together that evening, she didn't want to have sex with him when he brought her home. Um, So he beat the shit out of her, essentially. And like her story was like, he blocked me from my car and asked me like, hey, where's a cool place to hang out? And she was like, oh, there's this cute country western bar down the road. And he was like, cool, you want to go? And she was like, sure, why not? And then like brought her home and was like trying to force himself on her. And she was like, get the fuck off me. And they had only met that afternoon. Right. So like, oh, my God. This is worse. Um, Latasha McGinn, Ricky's own biological daughter, testified that he sexually assaulted her when she was around three or four years old. Oh, my God. Latasha, only a preschooler at the time, stated, stated, quote, I don't know if you want me to read this. uh, Mama, daddy stuck two fingers up inside me. It went into detail in the book of how it happened. I won't go into it. Uh, Latasha's statements were medically affirmed when a few days later uh, she was taken to the doctor due to vaginal bleeding. Oh, my God. And was diagnosed with a kidney infection. Oh, my God. Uh, due to the bleeding, redness, and irritation inside Latasha's vagina was most likely due to the molestation. So, oh, my God. Yeah. I know. Fuck. A, a preschooler? Yeah. A preschooler. Yeah. So you're assaulting women of your own age and also preschoolers yeah he's obviously into abusing children and women maybe attracted to children yeah Yeah. Mm. um ricky was never charged with the molestation since Mm. um he threatened to kill his daughter and Ah. her mother if latasha told anyone about the incident of course primarily though he wasn't charged due to a clerical error of sorts so the investigation had originally started in um brownwood county or brown county um, it was later determined that a jurisdiction in the case was completely different, a completely separate county. So the case was referred elsewhere. So like paperwork got lost mm-hmm. and no charges were ever filed in a new county. Oh, my God. Um, a couple years later, when Latasha's mother tried to prevent him from even visiting her daughter. Yeah. He also threatened to beat her to death. Great. Um, next on his uh, convictions or mm-hmm. his whatever rap sheet. He was also convicted in 1989 for a 1987 kidnapping and beating of 27-year-old Joseph Wade Hardman. Ricky and an accomplice tied Joseph to a tree and held a gun to his head as they beat him over and over, which by now we know is his M.O., Mm -hmm. allegedly because they believed he had stolen items from uh, their truck. And let's not forget that also, this is like huge, 1985, he had been charged with murder. 
What? <laughs> Why is this man not in prison? Ricky's best friend, Thomas Wright, was found shot to death in a ditch after last being seen with Ricky. He oh was acquitted of the crime. What the fuck? How? How? It was the 80s? I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Jesus Christ. So, needless to say, Brown County Law Enforcement and DA were convinced that Ricky McGinn had the propensity to commit murder. Yeah. But at this point, they had tons of evidence and a violent history. But like I mentioned, and you guessed, they didn't have Stephanie's body. Mm-hmm. They were even able to convince Janet to have the stock pond on their property drain to see if her daughter's remains were in the water. Mm-hmm. But soon, they wouldn't need to. Oh, no. This is rough. Okay. But the up. only shining light is this guy's last name. Okay. DPS trooper Gilberto Cappuccino. Thank you so much, so much. Gilberto. <laughs> wow. But thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Deputy Cappuccino. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, he was driving along US 183, stopping and looking into culverts along the roadway for oh, Stephanie's remains. Wow. Less than three miles northeast of the McGinn's house off of Farm to Market Road 1467, Trooper Cappuccino pulled his cruiser to a stop. And inside the specific culvert was the beaten and decaying corpse of 12-year-old Stephanie Flannery. Oh, my gosh. 12. This is, like, really bad. Okay. Mm. Uh, you're going to have a last podcast moment here in a, just a minute, okay? Gold star? Gold star? No, you're going to have a beer in here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Her body had been sprawled lengthwise about three feet inside the metal housing. So picture your head looking into the culvert. Like, you know okay. what a culvert is, right? I'm not going to lie. I just looked up a picture okay. of one okay. just to make sure. <laughs> so if you're looking into the circular metal yeah. piece... You'd be looking at her feet. It's like the thing from It, everybody, where the kids went in and like went. To yes, walking in, not yeah, like yeah, under the in. water part, but like the big the piece. Big old but thing. these are smaller ones, like off the side of the river, like water drainage yeah, or whatever. Where the bully got taken by. It. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, smaller. Right. Sorry. Sorry. That was. If anyone else was struggling like I was, because we've talked about culverts yeah. before, and this is the first time I've ever been like, oh, what yeah. is that? <laughs> it's those drainage things. I was just picturing. A ditch. Yeah, I mean, more or less, uh, yeah, but a little yeah. more discreet. Um, So you're looking at, like, her feet and, like, up towards the rest of her body. So mm. her feet were together. Her knees were wide apart. Mm-hmm. Her left arm was bent slightly above her head, but her right arm was, like, down by her side. Mm. Her shirt had been pushed up, uh, covering her face, exposing her breasts, and the beginning signs of decomposition. Even from his obscured vantage point with her shirt hiding her face, Trooper Cappuccino could see the damage and trauma to her head. Uh, <clears throat> this is bad. He noted, a, oh God, he noted a small hole in the crotch of her shorts, which made it obvious that she didn't have any underwear on. Mm. And it was clear that she had been pushed up into the metal culvert and positioned with her legs open, breast exposed, and face covered on purpose. On purpose. Yeah. Oh, my God. The medical examiner was able to determine time of death based on the live larvae in her ears and the greenish brown stain that her skin was turning. How many days is this? Three. Live larvae already. In her ears and like nose, I think. Holy shit. Yeah. But I mean, it's May in Texas. That's true. You That's know? true. Uh, in addition to the most obvious injuries, her right hand had these like odd burn patterns around the tips and like knuckles, as well as like this dried blood. I have a picture of it. It's weird. They don't ever really explain it. Hmm. Um, but maybe she was like grasping at something, know. trying to get away, and got bloody fingers. Probably. Um, she also had a blood alcohol level of 0. 0.03, which determined that she had been drinking. Shortly before death. If, like, she had oh, 0.03 no. three days later. Yeah. You know? Oh, no. 
Um, to put it simply, an autopsy would conclude that Stephanie had been violently raped for quite a while, and we would later find out that she was bludgeoned multiple times in the head with an axe. Oh! <laughs> I know. With an axe? Yeah. Uh, oh my god. To clarify, it was the blunt end of an axe, so not the, like... Somehow that's even worse. That's even scarier. It's heavier. And it takes, I imagine, longer. I don't know. I hope it doesn't take longer. We'll go into it. I hope it was really swift and she, like, just, like, didn't suffer uh, You know, she, she suffered. She suffered. Yeah. For a while. The majority of the blows completely fracturing her skull and caving it in on one side. The book described it as if her head was half of a cone. Uh... With several post-mortem hits to her cheek, forehead, and shoulders, meaning she was beaten over and over again after death. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, by the time she was transported to the medical medical examiner, her brain had semi-liquefied. <sighs> this is the worst part. So her vaginal wall was what the physician called, air quotes, lax, and was able to easily insert a vaginal speculum. Essentially, he posited that either she had... Have to have been abused at length to make such a small young female have a vagina of this appearance, or she had been being abused on many occasions prior. Mm-hmm. Either one is, is probably, fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. In addition to all of that, there was significant bruising and discoloration to her rectal anal cavity, so oh, that's awesome. No. Oh, no. I know. Oh, I'll, I'll say this one, one last thing. Uh, contusions to Stephanie's tongue reveal that she had bitten off edges of the organ during her rape and beating poor baby i fucking know oh god (sighs) okay that's it that's it when you're 12 right Mm, no i was like eighth grade i was 13 14 oh my god 13 12 13 yeah seventh grader yeah yeah oh my god oh man baby yeah baby so gross um, so Stephanie was finally located, um, but the nail in the coffin was when investigators located the bloody axe under the seat of the broken truck in Ricky's yard. What a fucking moron. Yeah. <clears throat> Ricky had also hidden one of Stephanie's bathing suits inside the truck alongside the axe. Ah, so she did go swimming. At mm, some point. Mm-hmm. The indictment stated that in the course of committing an attempt and attempting to commit aggravated assault, of Stephanie Flannery, Ricky McGinn did then and there intentionally cause the death of Stephanie Flannery, hitting her head, hitting her in the head with an axe. His bond was raised from a hundred thousand dollars to a million. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Uh, while awaiting trial, Janet let out some more troubling details about Ricky. Um, Boy. Yeah. Strap in. This is we've heard worse, but it's still like shit. Parenting. Oh God. Because one of my questions was, did his wife know the rap sheet? And I bet we're about to find out she did. I'll tell you about it later. Great. Uh, the couple only knew one another for a couple months before moving in together. Oh God. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't do that oh, if you God. have children. Don't fucking do that. Four months later, they were married in December of 1989. Oh. Just to 
let you know her like ex-husband the father of stephanie and denise like gave her shit about it too and was like you're just as guilty as he is you moved her Mm. from houston you married this guy and she's like fuck you because her ex-husband also molested his like own other children so like she's not great at picking guys or just guys are shit but she's a victim in all this as well but also fuck What's Jesus happening? Christ, guy Gaia? is digging on the bed. <laughs> you can hear that. He's, it's not comfy Sorry. enough. It's like a cat. <laughs> okay, so Ricky had been injured on the job at a construction site and suffered from chronic pain in one of his legs. She said that ever since the accident, he was moodier. He drank more. Um, and that's when he kind of turned into a different person, essentially, when oh, he drank. That's when? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure he's a monster. He was hiding 24/7. himself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, she also said that Ricky had been really strict with both Stephanie and Denise while living in the city of Brownwood, making them, um, making certain that the girls had a, this is fucking weird, had a bra on when leaving the house, never allowing them to just, like, wear a bathing suit in public. Like, all normal. Oh, he was 100% sexually assaulting both of them. 100%. And it makes you wonder, it made me wonder, like, why Denise wanted to stay with Steve. Yeah. While her mom was gone. Yeah. Because, like, I don't want to be alone with fucking Ricky, yep. you know? Yep. Uh, or maybe even Stephanie was like, hey, girl, go stay with Steve. I, I'll go, I got this this yeah. weekend. He, I don't know. Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, but according to Janet, also, Ricky relaxed the rules when they moved out to May in the country. She said, oh, fuck. This is red flag, like ultimate ricky even forced the girls to go swimming topless in the swimming pond behind their house no more bras no more bathing suits just like hey girl let it out girls gone wild i know as i'm not a mother i'll never be a mother but and she's a victim and we just talked about trini who victims it's hard to leave bad situations like that but just like like you when you thought st- maybe yeah. the kids in the doe situation were never involved but this is like clear he is he wants to see yeah. your children's parts yeah and and they're they're babies and they're not his children and why does she say force them to i'd love to know more right. i'm not judging i would like to know more of what she meant by that cause i am judging a little i'm uh, judging yeah. a little at that point it's just they force he forced him to go topless i'm like what like, oh, you didn't pick out, the, you know, p- take up the trash. You didn't do the dishes. I'm forcing you to swim topless. Like, right. why is that or a like punishment? The rule is we don't right. swim with this. With, like. Okay. Oh, my God. Like, I don't want to wash your bathing suit because it'll get muddy and dirty. Like, is that the point? Like, it's just a little naive. It's the most massive red flag. Yeah. Nothing else had been a red flag. Right. It's like, that's the moment where you're like, oh, huh, okay. maybe I should think this yeah. six month relationship a little bit right. more. Right. And not go fucking bowling. Oh, my God. Yeah. And never, if you can't leave, if you can't leave because you're whatever, you just don't leave your children alone with this man. That's just like, A, number one, yeah. you yeah. don't, if you can't get out of that situation, you sure as hell aren't leaving him to care for your yeah. young daughter. While you go off huh? and do fuck all. Yeah. What? Oh, my I don't want to, yeah, she's a victim too, but she's there's a, a little too. responsibility Absolutely. left, uh, you know, oh. out there in the open. The community was in shock after the arrest, and even more so when Stephanie was found a few days later. Uh, Journalists even took to Ricky's side, you'll die, stating, 
How much do you really know about this case? Who among us has even seen the bloody axe and the car or any of the other evidence? This journalist was a man. <laughs> well, none of us, like, duh, unless yeah. you're on the fucking jury, dipshit. Right. Like, huh? yeah. How many women have you raped, sir? Because that really sounds like a few. (laughs) That's my question. God. The writer still continues uh, and cautions the reader to be uh, to beware of the impassioned details of the case presented, warning them to remember that a man's life was at stake. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, wait, one one more, one more, one more. This is great. Wilson Craig wrote, quote, Citizens of Central Texas must keep their eyes, ears, and minds open with regard to this case because there exists the possibility of another senseless murder, that of Ricky McGinn. Fuck you, Wilson. Fuck you, Wilson. Oh, my God. How many women have you raped, Wilson? Is he, is he like, I know. is he on Greg Abbott's team I had team to now? Have like, add those in there. What the fuck? I know. I know. A man's life. Is that stink? I'm sorry. Did you forget about the child that was bludgeoned and raped to death? So sorry. what's weird is that, like, his mother is a um, real, real conundrum. Oh, no. Uh, is it a Gein situation? Yes. But really? she's nice. She is so there for Janet. And she took Stephanie in as like her own granddaughter, even though it's her step granddaughter. Huh. She's very nice. She's a Pentecostal, sorry, uh, pastor with her husband who has since passed away. They were both pastors in this smaller town. Pentecostal, they're really, they're They're like evangelical, Bible, right? okay. like yeah. speaking in tongues type shit. Right, right, right. And um, she had nine kids. But Ricky was like her number one. So Ooh. there's a lot of, she's self-protest, not protesting, self it's like emotional incest. What is the word I'm saying? She's self-proclaimed, sorry, yeah. of like, he's a mama's boy. I love him so much. She never doubted his innocence, but she was also there for Janet of like, I'm so sorry this happened, but like, I just don't believe my son did this. Gross. And there's just like a weird dynamic. Like, there was a lot of people on his side. What the fuck? This man has one of the worst rap sheets we've talked about. That is How clearly is he- in line with his MO. Right. Clearly in line. And he sounds like a dumb, dumb piece of shit. Like, he doesn't sound like he was, like, a charming, charismatic. No, he's not good looking. He's not cool. I think he had, like, a decent job at one point in time from what I read. And then he got injured. So he was kind of like, eh, Joe Schmo, blue collar, whatever. Which, like, that's fine. Rampant sexism. Like, you're just going to trust the man and say the man. It's the 80s, 90s, Cassandra. Yeah, I guess so. That's the only thing I can think of. (laughs) What the fuck? This is not a pillar of the community. No. Oh, my God. This isn't Pogo the Clown here. Like No, no, no. I mean, he kind of, I guess, could have been considered because of his family's history in the town of being like this, like, upstanding church, whatever. Maybe, but one of nine. I mean, one of them's But everyone was up his butt. Like, they loved him. All of his siblings. Like, it was very bizarre. Oh, my God. It makes no sense. They were all manipulated by him. They were all manipulated by him. Yeah. Oh, so Janet scheduled Stephanie's funeral to be held on May 28th, 1993. Just six days after she had been killed, the ceremony was held at Pleasant Grove Baptist Church. Janet is quoted saying, <clears throat> I lost my whole life. I lost, lost my daughter. I lost my home. I lost everything I had, which kind of sounds bad, except my other daughter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> now she's That's all I've mean. got, which kind of sounds mean. But little. let me tell you, this is an awful, awful way to learn a lesson, which is very true yeah there's a very sweet picture that i'll post of she and denise at denise's high school graduation it's very precious yeah i mean i really 
It is. It's an awful way to learn a lesson, yeah. but it's nice that she did learned it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how old? Would, I want to know. I'll ask. Okay. Uh, in later weeks, this is awful. Janet would be known to buy a twelve pack of beer, drive to Stephanie's grave, and talk to her daughter. Drink until she couldn't think clearly and scream at the moon. She mm. would cry herself to sleep in the cemetery atop Stephanie's headstone. Yeah, Janet's a victim, one thousand percent in this. Well, and she you know? she blames herself for Stephanie's murder. Yeah. She put Ricky in their lives. Um, and despite what we kind of think, she hadn't known about his past to a certain extent. Okay, she knew he was on probation. Again, what he told her, but she thought it was for battery and that he just had to serve some community service for assault. This is good. Okay. Quote, it wasn't like I could call the sheriff's office and say, hey, I'm Janet Talley. I'm going to start dating Ricky McGinn. Can you tell me about his past? Fair. <laughs> it's so true. Like Fair. a handy public service. Like we should probably get that. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure a man like that. Yeah. I'm on probation for domestic battery, but it was because this bitch did that. Like, if it's not, even true. Yeah. If it's even true. Right. He's not going to say. No. Well, it's because I forcefully raped, raped someone a woman or tied a guy to a tree and fucking beat the shit out of I him. I got off. It's like, like, yeah. Because yeah. if you're on probation, I, I don't know. It's just, I guess the mindset back then also could have been like, well, if he's a really dangerous person, he'd be in prison. He'd be in prison right. because the system works, the law works, you know? So I'm, everyone in the 80s was getting put in jail for drugs. It, well, yeah. And not only if they were of a certain demographic uh, yeah, yeah. or two. Yeah. Not battery, whatever, no. or rape. Um, so. Let's fast forward to the trial. During the trial, testimony uh, was given and a lot of interesting information came to light. So we can go over a smidge of that. Um, Chief Deputy Glenn Smith carried out interviews with neighbors, family members and friends, the McGinn's in the following days and weeks after Stephanie's murder. Uh, one of those was with the father of Steve Cirrhosis, Stanley. Stanley Cirrhosis. Thank God. Stanley Yelnats. Steve Stanley. Uh, anyways, uh, Stanley had stopped the McGinn's residence the day that Stephanie had been reported missing because, like, in every small town, he saw a car that was unfamiliar, therefore suspicious. <laughs> so he stopped and knocked on the door at the McGinn home to check since he knew Janet was out of town at this bowling thing, okay? So after no one answered, he walked around to the side of the house where he sees Ricky walking up from where the boat and his pickup truck were parked. He said Ricky approached him and was clearly very intoxicated. Mm. He uh, asked Ricky, where's Stephanie? Where's Denise? Whatever. And Ricky said, oh, Stephanie got sick to her stomach and went to lie down. Ricky further said, quote, hey, don't tell anyone about this, but Stephanie wanted to try beer. So I bought her a six pack and that's how she got sick to her stomach because uh, she drank too much. Uh-huh. Another testimony about a month before Stephanie was killed, she had confided in her friend Jennifer Gray that Ricky had, quote, tried to mess with her. Yeah. And got mad at him and wouldn't talk to him for two days. Uh, Jennifer stated that Stephanie's personality shifted dramatically and wasn't acting the same as before. Classic sign of yeah. children experiencing sexual abuse. Yeah. This bitch, I like her. Kay Lobstein, forensic files, <laughs> honorable mention, I don't know, uh, worked at Alita's liquor store in Brownwood. She told investigators that she had seen Ricky and a young female that morning slash afternoon that Stephanie went missing. Quote, I know Ricky McGinn because he comes into the store regularly. <laughs> On Saturday, he came in and bought a 20 pack of Lone Star Light and paid cash. Ooh. It was 1107 in the morning. Ooh. The little girl stayed in the car when Ricky came in. I even gave him some candy to take to her. It was the same girl whose picture I saw in the newspaper a few days later. It was Stephanie Flannery. Yeah. So um, 
this is when I guess I I think he was trying to explain like he was oh on these back roads giving her a driving lesson around like 11 12 whatever getting back to the house around noon yeah supposedly is what I'm trying to put together so in addition to the cars the blood semen hair evidence there was burned grass and material located in the dirt behind the begin residence that was submitted to be checked for possible brain matter blood and bone the axe, a pair of Ricky shorts, eyeglasses, beer bottles, cans, and Stephanie's clothing, um, the clothing that she was wearing when she was found, they were all submitted and recorded as evidence, okay? Okay. Additionally, Pam- Pamela, Sonia, and Latasha testified to being raped by Ricky McGinn. Wow. That's amazing. I know. Wow. Good all, for them. All of this sealed his fate, and he was convicted of the rape and murder of Stephanie and sentenced to death. Hell yeah. I mean... You know, we all know how we feel about the death sentence, but I also think that there are certain people that yeah. just fucking yeah, might want to check into it. Yeah, Maybe like torture them. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it gets interesting. So the DNA aspect, to all of this is a little weird and a little. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> uh, before it's time. OK, whatever. Because this was like late 90s, mid to late 90s. So yeah. DNA is still kind of in its infancy, yeah, right? Yeah, like the blood coming for back the... is inconclusive. I was like, oh, that's that's the 90s for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so after Stephanie's trial, Ricky was connected to the 1992 rape and murder of 19-year-old Christy Jo Eggers. Oh, my God. Who... Christy Jo Eggers. It sounds familiar, right? Yes, it does. Who was found dead, classic, in a ditch near a town cemetery. Oh, my God. DNA testing showed that semen found in her body matched Ricky. He was not tried for Ricky Joe's, uh, excuse me, matched Ricky. But he was not tried for Christy Joe's murder uh, because he was already on death row. Wow. In addition. That sucks, though, because, like, her family deserves. Her grandmother, I think, was, like, a part of the whole process the whole time. So she was aware that, like, hey, I th- we know it's him. But, like, it's a Should whole. Should we drag you all through this? Right, That's right, right. True. And That's it was true. expensive. So, like, she was there knowing what was going on. So, like, it was Ugh. a little validation there. Holy shit. Uh, in addition, Brown County officials suspect Ricky in the rape and murder of 29-year-old. Again, I saw this as she was 12, 18, and 29. Okay. So who knows? But I'm going to go with 29. Okay. Because I think 12 was a typo from Stephanie, Stephanie. and 18 might have been a similarity to uh, Christy. So I'm going to go with 29. Uh, Sherry Newman, based on time, place, and MO. Um, but nothing has been released to the public that I'm aware of that would link Ricky to the murder of Sherry. It was just certain... Just again, mo and victimology. So, oh my god! So this is a serial killer. Yeah, that's what I'm about to say. Oh my god! Uh, so th- this is looking at like five to seven rapes, assaults, and then possibly one to four murders that we know of. Yeah. So we have Pamela Adams, Sonia Vaughn, Latasha McGinn, his ex-wife. Her name is Imogene Bible, which is like fucking cool last name. Imogene, I love. That. I know. Um, Joseph Wade Hardman, Thomas Wright, Christy Joe Eggers, Sherry Newman, and Stephanie Flannery. Wow. So this he's woman great. had a monster sleeping next to her. Yeah, yeah. And she didn't know. No. Which I, I don't, you, no blame to her, but like. How are you supposed to know? You'd have Google. There's a monster sleeping yes. next to her. I don't know how. Holy I guess he. Shit. I don't know. He maybe targeted her because of her children uh-huh. and didn't, you know, do the whole adult abuse thing with her and right. save it for the child abuse. But yeah. Oh my. Um, June 1st, 2000, Ricky was scheduled to be executed that day, but received a 30-day reprieve from none other than George W. Oh, fuck <laughs> you, W. Okay, listen to this, though. So he uh, 
reprieved him because of additional DNA testing. Because again, it was like new and shiny and like, oh, oh, wait, if to this maybe can, like link him to more, uh, or if it could acquit him oh, or exonerate okay. him. I hope it's to. I hope it's the former. <laughs> and George W was like, wait, let me try to catch more. <laughs> but if it was to acquit he, him, in the book, it was like George W. Bush was like, I am. 100% certain that all of my whatever 200 or 120 something death row inmates he was like positive of their guilt and I was like lol George but okay right uh he had already eaten his final meal so we get two meals this this Ooh, week what was the first one the first one was a basic bitch move cheeseburger fries and Dr. Pepper okay come on man so interestingly, this was the first reprieve that W had given while he was in office. What a winner to pick. What a what a just gem. But think about the timing of it. It was when everything was coming out of like, hey, this may not be right. You may have an innocent guy in prison. What about retesting this? This hair was old timey you know what I mean like yeah. forensically we have advancements we have better technology we have better testing this is a you know from 1993 to 2000 yeah a lot's changed and he's president at this point he's not no governor. he's governor but he was he's president making in 2001 this was 2000 so he was running for president I guess I guess so was was his first year as president 9-11 was his First act as president getting us Bummer. into a 20-year fucking war. It's okay. 9-11 was fake. Interesting. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Was that what your friend was, like, goofing on at the party? And the there was a joke conspiracy theory. And me and Brennan were like, is this fucking Oh, yeah, really yeah. No, this? Johnny? Yeah, the yeah, guy yeah. in, like, the denim cutoff shorts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, is this man insane? He's kidding. Then, he's kidding. He's kidding. He's yeah, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they believe it, but, like, he's kidding. <laughs> It's embarrassing. <laughs> I stay out of it because I'm not educated enough. It's fine. <laughs> right. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's go talk about murder. <laughs> so, okay. Initially, the blood was matched during the first round of testing, okay? But the 30-day reprieve gave the defense and the prosecution a chance to retest everything available. So, Francis McGinn, Ricky's mom, hires a private investigator to sift through everything during this 30-day reprieve. Her name's Tina Church, okay? Yeah, they're literally, they are. W, they were trying to get this man acquitted. But if you read, I'm going to read all this stuff, and you're going to be like, huh. Okay, 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 all right. So, Tina questioned these facts. He was arrested without real evidence, body, or weapon at the time, okay? The body wasn't in serious deep states of decomposition for the placement and weather. So, like, what was the time frame? The time frame is off is what she's assuming. The same culvert had been inspected the Sunday night after Ricky was in custody and hadn't been, the body hadn't been seen in the culvert. Hmm. It might be a technicality, like we got the wrong culvert. Like, right. I don't know. They all look the fucking right, same. Right, right, right. The blood in the car went from front to back in splattering pattern as if someone threw the blood from the front seat to the trunk. Prosecution never alleged that she was killed in the car. And if she was even transported in the car, you would think you'd seen signs of blood pooling based on her head injuries, right? It was like, like grasping, grasping. I, I could see it. I, I can, but. Ricky's sister drove the car Saturday to get flashlight batteries for the search party that night. And she never noticed any blood or smell or anything in the vehicle. Well, obviously, neither did Ricky. because He was like, just it's fine. Go search it. 
Well, and the interior was red, but also of like there was fish, this alleged fish thing. Yeah, like, and full really, of crap. when are you inspecting a car? I, when you're in the like heat of like, let's get to yeah. fucking Walmart. I need flashlight batteries. Drove My around with ants in step my car for two is... weeks, and the moment Brennan got in, he was like, "How long have there been ants on your uh, dash?" I don't, and I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. I, I look straight ahead. I drive <laughs> exactly. And if the majority of it like was on the ones, I don't know. It's fine. Um, the axe located in the broken truck was found four days. After the murder, after it had been searched numerous times. Yeah. Which, it was found in a weird spot, but still. Uh, and at the same, uh, at the time, the uh, semen and pubic hair ugh, found inside Stephanie were inconclusive. Mm. So, initially, when he was convicted, all of that was inconclusive. It was just the blood that was determined as Stephanie's, okay. which is huge, which is huge. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> However, at four different testing sites, including the FBI lab and the Texas Department of Public Safety lab, uh, they completed analysis of the semen and hair. Um, the blood had already been conclusively matched, like I mentioned. Um, testing found that the DNA in the semen stains on Flannery, uh, Stephanie Flannery shorts matched Ricky McGinn's DNA with only a one in 65 quadrillion chance that someone else would have had the same DNA pattern and the pubic hair was consistent with hair samples from Ricky McGinn. Wow. So big fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so despite test results, Ricky maintained his innocence. He said, quote, it kind of blew me out of the water. The DNA test was positive. I already had my stuff ready and packed to go home. I still want the world to know I'm not guilty. I don't care about the test show. <laughs> I didn't kill my little girl. I did not have sex with her. I did not rape her. I want the world to know that. Yep. Okay. Uh, of the evidence that proved he did rape his stepdaughter, he said, somebody else put that there. Sure. Sure. Someone plucked a pubic hair <laughs> right, right, right. straight from your gross As they head. do. Yeah. Yeah. Francis McGinn, Ricky's mother, quote, I know he's innocent. You can call it mother, mother's or God's intuition. <laughs> so it's a lie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they will be executing an innocent man. No, they will not. Judge Stephen Ellis set a new execution date for September 27th, 2000. Mm. His second final meal. I went on a deep dive of <coughs> meals, y'all. It was bad. Uh, his second final meal was chicken fried steak with white gravy, French fries with white gravy, verbatim, lots of salt and pepper, and sweet iced tea, which really doesn't sound that bad. No, a little better. Dr. Pepper, though, was a better choice the first time. I like sweet tea. Oh, I like sweet tea. Depends. Dr. Pepper's better. A lot more. Oh my gosh, a lot more sugar. <laughs> it's like 50 grams of sugar in a can of Dr. Probably. Pepper. It's awful. Um, on the day of his execution, Francis McGinn is quoted saying to 60 Minutes reporter Dan Rather, quote, I will be there with my son. I've said this. Ricky, I brought you into this world and I will be there for you when you go out of this world. Is it going to be easy? No. It will take a part of my life when he is, when <laughs> he takes his last breath. But I have to be there with him. I just have to be. He's my son. I love him. Oh, my God. Yeah, gross. Oh, my God. You have eight other children. Like, fuck yeah. that aren't rapists Fucking and serial killers. Samantha's a serial killer. <laughs> Stephanie's mother, Janet, traveled to Huntsville to watch Ricky die. She had already tried to go the first time and was sent back home. So... <laughs> Again, speaking to Dan Rather, quote, I'm not afraid, but I'm excited. What that man did to my daughter, he deserves a lot worse than what he's getting. Yeah. He lays down and goes to sleep. Yeah. This is bad, okay? <clears throat> this gives, like, detail. Oh, no. That, like, I wasn't expecting. Continuing with Janet, my daughter was hit in the back of the head three times with an axe until her eye was knocked out of her socket. 
that's hurting. He's not going to hurt. He's going to lay down on a bed. They're going to put a needle in his arm and he's going to go to sleep. That's awful simple. Yep. Wow. Janet really fucking turned a corner. Yeah. Man. Good for her. poor woman. I know. Oh, God. Stephanie's biological father, Steve, which. Also not a great guy. I don't know how to feel. Yeah. Yeah. Is quoted saying, my little girl, those other little girls, they didn't get a chance to live. I think it's time this guy paid his debt to society. My daughter's face was crushed. She didn't have a chance at all. Yeah. In a final statement. Oh, fuck you. Ricky McGinn said, quote, tell everybody I said hi, that I love him, and I'll see him on the other side, okay? <laughs> no, you won't, buddy. Even if heaven was real, you're not getting it. It's in. fictional. Oh, man. And now I just pray that if there's anything against me, that God takes it home. I don't want anybody to be mad at nobody. I don't want nobody to be bitter. Clean hearts. Keep clean hearts, and I will see y'all on the other side. Sidebar, you know the fun thing about Christianity is no. if he had repented, he yeah. sounds like he repented, that means he's absolved, he and asks everything. for forgiveness, and he gets to walk through the pearly gates, even though he's a rapist and murderer. It's like, cool. huh? What? Yeah. That's not, that, I don't It's okay. It's, it's not real. It's not real. Sorry, guys. It's, <laughs> it's not real. No. And if it is real, R- Ricky's up there with you. Yeah. I don't think you want that. Just come to He's the, your neighbor. Come to the fun side of the party. He was pronounced dead at 6.22 p.m. Janet is quoted again saying, I feel a lot of relief. Stephanie is shining down on us today and Ricky McGinn will not breathe our air anymore. And that's the murder of Stephanie Flannery. Fuck, man. I have questions and theories of like, I'll do you want me to give you my questions and yeah, theories really quick? I don't yeah. know if you have any. Okay. I first of all, to go over this, I left out some crazy shit. Like his first attorney died in a car accident a week before his trial was to begin. Oh, no. His other attorney had his office torn apart by a tornado, not a flood, surprisingly. Oh my god. Destroyed like half of his case evidence. Um yeah, it was just like bananas. So this man was evil incarnate and yeah, just like evil. Destroyed everything. Him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so my theory is that Ricky had attempted or was pre or had previously successfully attempted uh, abusing Stephanie. Yep. I and would agree with that. This weekend, Denise and Janet were going to be gone. So he decided to take his opportunity. Yeah. Um, based on his criminal Full history throttle. and evidence, I, in all those cases, it's clear that he's a serial rapist, murderer, whatever. She's just another girl on his list. The other ones were like strangers and girls he had taken out on dates. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't truly be linked back to them. But I think this time he couldn't really scoot around that. Yeah. And I think it had been like a year or two since his last like confirmed crime. And I think he was like itching to like do it again. Yeah. And probably really hammered and just yes. like lowered the inhibitions. Yeah. I think he planned on getting her drunk to where she wouldn't fight him off or yeah. like be mad at him like she had done before. And I don't want to say like seduce her, but like. A little bit like, hey, Co-works Stephanie, be mom's out of town. Yeah. Exactly. Like you want to try some beer, you know, make her feel grown up, cool, whatever. Yeah. Kind of get in on her good side. Um, and unpopular opinion. I, I know the charges on the indictment were like, oh, he was trying to rape her and then killed her. But I think it was nothing got out of hand. I think that. He did what he always did, which Mm -hmm. was brutally assault and rape the person. If we believe that he is this, you know, killer and rapist of all the victims, that the M.O. fits entirely. Yep. Yep. Um, He used a ditch, same as before, side of the road, whatever. He doesn't ever use strangling, stabbing, shooting. He beats the shit out of these people. Yeah. Excuse me. So that's his total bag. 
Um, the one thing I do have a question about is the car. I find it pretty curious, yeah. right? So forensically, forensically, it makes sense that she was killed near the home and then brought to the culvert to be dumped. But like the investigator mentioned, would there be a pooling or a major spot of blood if she was transported with a head wound like that? So yeah. I wrote, if he placed her in the car correctly, blood pooling <clears throat> may not be necessary, may not necessarily happen and show up all over the car. For all we know, he covered her face yeah. before they drove off because they're what if they were passed by another car on the road? Uh, you know, the, the covering of her face might act as like a towel, makeshift towel or something. Yeah. But also the dump site really wasn't that far. So how much pooling could they really get? Um, additionally, I think that backing up to the fence and pulling her from the front of the car through the hatch of the car would be less risky than picking her up out of the passenger seat and walking her or carrying her to the culvert. So I think that could explain and it would be consistent with the blood spatter. That's a good idea. That's a good point. I don't know if like her head is flinging around. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it pulling does. her from the front to the back, how the blood was, you know, patterned that way. Um, it's also possible that he threw the axe into the car, causing it to toss blood and hair around the car. Yeah. Further distribution of the evidence. Um, he puts the axe in the bathing suit in his truck. I don't know. If he did move her on Sunday. So this could explain why Ricky's sister, who drove the car on Saturday, and police who searched the car didn't notice any blood on Saturday. Right. Yep. Um, so Janet's brother, who was a police officer in a neighboring county, oh my god, he told um, David Mercer, one of the investigators, that he saw Ricky leave at like 5.45 a.m. on Sunday morning. So that could have been the opportune time. Mm-hmm. What if he had been hiding her body somewhere around the home yeah. on the property on Saturday? And when it's just a few searchers, like nothing super, like he's got to report it, but like not nothing major is like search wise is going on. But then they're like, oh, we're going to bring in dogs. We're going to bring in state police. This is getting real. Yeah. I so get her now. He puts her in the car and drives to the culvert Saturday or excuse me, Sunday morning. Oh, gosh. And got rid of her. But like, wouldn't he have seen him leave and like her body be put in the car? You would think. You would think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's my main theory of how, like, he did it, but I really don't know because, like, I, obviously I wasn't there and, like, I don't, whatever. I don't know. What is your theory? What? Or a question. Did it, so she, her body was found three days later and there was no, like, evidence that the murder had taken place there or any, like, she was no, placed there. No, it was clearly, it like. it rained, though? Like, could it be possible? But she that, was covered in, like, a metal okay, thing. Okay. I want to know why. Maybe it's because he, maybe it's because she is different than the other victims he had. Mm-hmm. Why she was posed the way she was because that's a very disrespectful way, yeah, to pose. So it would almost make more sense to me if she was posed, not really posed, but her face was covered. Like that would make more sense to me with him knowing yeah. her and being in her life for three and a half years. It's just that's that's, that's a good weird. point. I I think maybe. I think the uh, revealing her breasts and her her body and the hole in her shorts was degrading. Yeah. And then also revealing her face as a last surprise was also a big fuck you. Right. And shock value. The other victims, the, the Christy Joe and the Sherry Newman, I believe that they were found nude. Okay. So if anything, Stephanie was a little more modest. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe he also just didn't have enough time to to, to strip her. I guess. And this was just a last minute pose. Yeah. If, it, if this is happening at 5, yeah. 45, 6 in the morning. If that's when he did it. Yeah. Right. I also like, I, th- he, this can't, I know that 7 
confirmed rapes or whatever and then like three mur- like that's a lot but it just feels like there have to be more yeah that's, that's why i said 1985 period is the soonest i know of i mean 85 87 92 89 something like that like it's that's more consistent with a like what the boys talk about on last podcast a final berserker mode yeah. where it just doesn't it matter anymore i'm not careful anymore mm-hmm. and i feel like that it's weird i I don't know it's it i guess it makes sense both ways where it boiled up enough where it just like boiled over he drank too much it had been kind of this amount of time yeah and then it was just he got opportunistic yeah because it was Mm -hmm. so it's finally the weekend right yeah janet's gone i'm gonna do this i'd already been trying to do this evidently allegedly whatever and now it's like this is my moment i'm gonna go for it like it is I, t- I totally see what you're saying. I'm right. like, he's getting There's, sloppy. There have to be more. Yeah. Because, I mean. Mm. How is a man like this not well, in, sorry, in prison? Like, how was he not in prison? It's just so wild that all of that. And I understand victims when they don't come forward. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's I know there's circumstances and crimes yeah. against women like that where they're, like, not dead. And then the dead ones were found after he was convicted for it's just so wild to me that like such a violent criminal had such a long rap sheet. Yeah. And was well, walking out. So the um crap, what was his name? Uh Thomas Wright. He wasn't obviously convicted of that murder. The boy that he tied to a tree, I'm yeah. not really sure how that ended up. I think he did serve some time for that. Sonia Vaughn, um, they gave him like six months probation for attempted rape and battery. And then Pamela Adams, he threatened her so hard after the fact saying, no one will believe you. What are they going to do? They're not going to believe you. They're going to believe me. How are they even going to catch me? So she never reported it. And then he blamed her victim blamed her so hard because her then I think her next boyfriend slash husband whatever said you got to report this and that's when she went and testified at the trial okay so it looked a little after the fact but she was like you don't understand I was fucking threatened at knife point like and also shamed yeah so that's how these things happen and that's how this guy isn't in prison because of this cyclical sort of systemic bullshit of victim blaming and giving light sentences and not taking anything domestic abuse sexual abuse you know seriously right yeah wow what a fucking awful yeah awful thing to happen i know but uh i don't know really how the whole transportation happened obviously he did it he did terrible terrible things uh I just was like, we never hear about axe murders. Right. Like, they're so, like, cliche. But, like, you actually, when do you really hear about an axe murder? They're like, and when you do, they're just fucking. Terrible. Yeah. So. Fucking awful. Anyway, any more questions or theories? No. You covered the the big one was, like, the car thing. But I like your theory a lot because it it makes sense. Because I don't Kind of does, yeah. The only thing, the other thing, uh, so he was already apprehended by the time the axe was found right Mm -hmm. yeah so that's weird that that kind of doesn't make sense poor police work maybe because they're they're not there's affecting him yet they maybe didn't well i mean he'd already been arrested i mean the the picture of the truck his truck bed is like covered with shit there's branches there's tools there's bullshit everywhere so like sifting through I don't know. Yeah. I, it could have been an honest mistake. It, it could have been. But also, also, like, why, if you found a bloody, 
hair covered axe on the front porch why would you as a police officer or whatever go and put it in the truck and be like oh i just found this why wouldn't you just say hey i just found this you know like maybe it was maybe i don't know seasonally for hunting in may i don't think that has anything i don't know yeah i don't think you're hunting in may because my my only thought with that would be like oh yeah with an axe (laughs) (laughs) i guess like butchering something but maybe yeah on the blunt end I i don't know like that's just it's there are a couple things that are like weird and don't fully make sense. You could but have with, placed the axe elsewhere in right. the, at the crime scene at a different time in the crime scene yeah. if you actually placed it. I think it was there and it was just skimmed over. Right. And unfortunately. One hundred percent, without a doubt, this is the person that Yeah. It was her blood, his semen, Stephanie. everything. Yeah. Like he's almost like begging to be caught like he didn't even try to cover it up and i think that was like our biggest thing of like this is so different than other times of like i am so brazen and just gonna literally fuck you and kill you and peace out do what i want and now the 90s and the 2000s caught up with him oh my god oh oh my god anyway yeah fuck you ricky mcginn fuck you ricky mcginn so yay heavy Heavy, i know yeah sorry uh, hopefully next time we're gonna do our Halloween episode. Yeah, and it'll be before Cassandra's wedding. Oh my god, she's getting married. Oh, uh, so but all the money is now starting to like I'm getting the invoices and the stuff. Oh and no, I'm like, gross, oh gross, like, gross. This is, it's expensive. Yeah, like I've lived with this guy for so long. Why are we doing this again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm just kidding. Eloping sounds. Real like good, gem. but it'll be a fun party. So we'll do it exactly. We'll do a, a cool, fun, maybe surprisey, wisey. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fuck, Anything man. else? No, that was a good one. That yeah, was a, we're in. I'm only in one class this semester, <laughs> so that means there is a little bit more. You know, I feel like we will come back to you with a Halloween episode. This I think is Halloween is like a Halloween is a very acceptable promise. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll so. be okay. November might be a little rough. No, we never do holidays. No. We yeah. actually I lie. We've done Christmas episodes, but We've done Christmas. Our and lives we are different. Valentine's. I know. <laughs> yeah, we're both going to be married by November and we're both, you know, like there's just, you know, you guys know. get it. You, you know. get it. You guys have grown up with us. You have. It's you fine. have. You got 53 52 32? episodes now. <laughs> just go back and binge all the others yeah listen to how much we've grown and then at the same time how much we haven't yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're on spotify now so yeah, we've grown up spotify. a lot that's so cool i know i'm really happy about it i know no one else cares but it's exciting we care Thanks. no one's listening but no we are listening. we care <laughs> cassie and i are listening yeah. um okay uh well what is the outro um that's- if anyone's listening Happy Happy Halloween. Halloween. (laughs) See you later. I think that's it, right? Cool.